Generation Z, those ages 21 to 26 are entering the workforce this summer. So what does that mean for the future of work and career development as well as workplace culture? Join us today as we talk about this topic on the CG Hour. Let's start the countdown. Welcome to the CG Hour, where every other month we come to you with the latest hot topics around technology and business. My name is Fanny Dunnigan, and I'm your host for the CG Hour. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on where you're tuning in from. We're going live across LinkedIn as well as YouTube. So for those of you that are joining us online, welcome. And be sure to drop your uh, details into the comments, introduce yourself, tell people what you do, where you're tuning in from, make the comments a place for you to network and meet other people online. And I challenge you to connect with three new connections online and build your network as well. So as I was sharing, we are gonna talk all around Generation Z and the future of work and the trends and predictions and the culture of that. So we did some research and wanted to kind of open up this show with our research video and share with you some of those stats. So let's roll that now. Welcome everybody. For those of you that are just joining us, we're going to talk all around Gen Z and the future of the workplace. Just want to give some quick shout outs to people in the audience. I see Jeannie from Georgetown, Texas, Irfan from Plano, Texas, Tracy Phillips, our friend from CG in Phoenix, Arizona. Welcome everybody. Again, be sure to introduce yourself and tell people where you're tuning in from. And now I want to introduce to you the guests and the stars of our show this episode. I'm going to start here on our right. 
we have Louis Mangia Capra. Welcome, Louis. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Fanny. Very excited to talk about this topic. I think it's going to be very exciting in hearing the different opinions and as we kind of dig into some of these. Absolutely. So I want to read to you all what Louis, his, he is the Senior VP at CG Infinity for Cloud and Data. He's an experienced technology leader with 15 plus years focused on building, managing, and deploying enterprise-class data and analytics platforms. He's hands-on and well-versed in emerging technologies with a strong business acumen and a talent for identifying technology gaps that drive business goals and increase revenue. And he specializes in helping transform how organizations integrate people and modern technology to drive business outcomes. So thank you for joining us, Lewis. And to my right here, we have Kiara Draper. Welcome, Kiara. How are you? Hi, I'm great. I'm happy to be the representative of the Generation Z. Um, it's pretty yes. cool to be here um, and give a perspective. Awesome. Thank you for the invitation. Absolutely. So Kiara is a highly accomplished professional with a strong background in technology and business. She graduated from the University of North Texas in 2022 with a degree in Business Integrated Studies, specializing in computer information systems and marketing. And her passion for technology really blossomed during high school, which was really cool, through camps like Microsoft's Digi Girls, leading to her recognition in the 2020 Microsoft Diversity and Inclusion Report. And during college, she gained valuable experience through positions and internships through Chase Bank, Salesforce, as well as Microsoft. And those have allowed her to apply her business and technology knowledge. So thank you, Kiara. And then last but not least, to my left here, we have Chuck Hazeman. He is the professor and director at UTD their RISE Center for Retail Innovation and Strategic Excellence. Welcome, Chuck. Thank you. And he is an industry-recognized leader in IT service management and transformation with over 40 years in retail and consumer product goods. And Chuck understands the key levers for achieving ROI and quality performance objectives from service integrations and helps clients focus on improving value through transformation. Rethink Retail selected Chuck as one of the top retail influencers of 2023, and he's currently the professor of practice and director for the Retail Center at Naveen Jindal School of Management at UTD, and a mentor for RevTech Accelerator, a high growth retail uh, ventures. So welcome, Chuck. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. So we're going to dive right into the questions. This first segment, we're going to talk all about workplace culture and where we are now. Now, Lewis, I know you're very involved in CG Infinity's internship programs and mentoring some of the junior consultants there. What are you looking for in fresh graduates as an employer? Yeah, I think that's a great way. When we start looking at it, you know, looking at the skill sets right now, you know, uh, people are coming out of the uh, out of college and they have a diverse range. You know, it's not really where they were doing just a single technology or a single discipline. It's very, um, it's, it's very diverse. And you look at it as 
how can I go train them up? How can I put them into different positions? So we start looking at, you know, ChatGPT, all of these different YouTube out there. So it's not you're limited to this one vertical or this one technology. We can take them in, start plugging to all of these different places and they're absorbing very, very fast. They're used to, we're changing the paradigm from needing, you know, a, an expert in there. You still need the expert, but they don't need to be an expert at that time. And we can take them and start looking at it and saying, hey, can you use YouTube to go get on here? Can you use ChatGPT? Can you use, you know, your peers? So I think it's exposing them to a lot of different areas. Right now, you know, most people have a phone tied to them or they have a laptop. So let's leverage that. If you're great at being able to jump on different topics or jump on different technologies, how can we bring people or, or skill them up to a way that they're not going to be a one-trick pony? They can go in, they can you know, be a developer one day, or they can help lead projects and have that kind of range of areas so they can come in, help with the client, help with the, the areas that they're doing, but also learning and figuring out what they really like through that process. So looking for that passion for learning, oh, absolutely. right? Adaptability. Yeah. I think so. And getting in there. And I mean, you know, it's just like when, when you enter college, you might not know what your degree is. You might think, oh, I want to be an engineer. I want to be an astronaut or that. And then by the time four or five, six years later, you're like, I don't know why I got this degree. I think a lot of our hiring process is very similar. They come in, they're like, I think I want to be a developer. They get in, they're like, you know what? I don't really like the code. I like the project management or I like people facing or I'm like, I want to be maybe in a, you know, lock me in a room, feed me pizza underneath the, uh, the thing and get a case of Mountain Dew and I'm good to go. And program. Exactly. And so that I don't want to talk to customers. I don't want to do sales. Right. Right. So getting to uh, apply people into different areas to diff go and try out and say, do you like this? And if you do, you know, you always need to have kind of your three main focuses, something you're great at, something you're all right in something you're aspirational and now let's plug these these folks into the different areas and see what what sticks and you know something they think they might like they get in there and they're like this is the worst thing ever yeah. perfect well you have it you can put it in your tool belt let's keep going awesome now Kara you've had some amazing internships at big brands like Chase Bank Microsoft Salesforce what has that kind of taught you or given you a perspective of what to look for in employers Yes, yeah, so that journey and process was very intentional. Um, even before I started college, I knew that, okay, I want to get my education. That's a big value. I need to build my skill set. However, I do want to get in the workplace and get that real world experience and gaining that insight. I did a lot of research. My mom was always like, you know, you need to research. Okay, what do you want to do? Look at the company. Look at the company's customers. What do they do? And um, be very open and willing to learn. And so I, um, started at the bank because you know that's a very foundational fundamental thing that I, I not only can take with me professionally but also personally and I really had a desire to be very financially literate so that I can make the best decisions with my money I can make the best decisions with my money while in college and post-college and so mm -hmm. I worked there I built my um, ability to interact with customers um, on a consumer basis and then business to business and then talking to other business small business owner entre entrepreneurs and things like that and then the pandemic happened and that changed a lot of things for me and I had to shift my mindset and then I was like okay let me go tech focus because that is my degree and that is where I kind of sparked my interest um, for the tech field and so I did trailheads in high school and that's where I learned about Salesforce and um, my mother actually ended up working at Salesforce during the pandemic. Um, previously she had been at her company for my whole life, 19 years. Wow. And so she told me like, you know, um, don't do what I did. Like not to say it's anything wrong with that, but be open, um, be willing to be 
adaptable and change. And so I looked at Salesforce and I really like their company model. I like the culture. I like what I like what they stood for and their values. And that's what attracted me to Salesforce. And I did a program called Year Up um, during that pandemic time. I was taking about eight college courses. Wow. And a, a lot of people were like, wow, that's a lot. And I was like, you know what? I, I have nothing better to do but be in the house. So why not upskill? Um, academically as well as get that experience. So I was a system specialist intern and I was there working on a caseload with the team and it gave me good insight on the corporate space. Um, the work was fine, but I really, it wasn't that I didn't enjoy it. That was something that I was like, you know, I don't know if this is what I wanna do. However, I talked to a lot of people throughout the company who had a lot of roles and from there, I was able to kind of speak to someone and I'm like, wow, your role sounds interesting. A consultant, um, tech sales, um, I didn't want to code. I knew that I had to have that technical acumen to be able to do that, but I felt just though I would thrive in a space that was more customer facing. And so then I went on to Microsoft and I had a connection with them prior because I was a part of their camp. And so went on to do that, came back to Salesforce. And um, from there on, now I'm just, you know, staying awesome. that same student. Yeah. And it's, it kind of ties into what Lewis was saying, mm -hmm. is that that kind of journey of discovery, trying right. different things, being open, and then just seeing, we don't know until we try something, right. right? And then what about you, Chuck? I mean, you're kind of in that happy medium between employers and students that are graduating, and you kind of see it from both sides. What are you hearing from your students as to what they look for in their work and graduation? Well. I, th I think that the thing I'd throw out on the table real quick is the fact that this generation is not lazy. This generation is very trainable. The problem is, or the opportunity is, is that they had the privilege of going through COVID. And if <laughs> yeah. you're a teenager, <laughs> young adult, and you spent two years, year and a half, two years going through that mess, and then coming out and you want to be a career person, et cetera, and you're very, very well trained with technology. Um, the old saying, you know, if you want your TV um, set up so it'll record a program, get one of your kids to go turn it on, uh, that very smart people. Um, what I find is, and, and uh, I think we're gonna talk a little bit later about it, is to me, the biggest important thing for the students and for our young people coming into the workforce is learning how to communicate. And when I say that, you go, oh, we know how to communicate. We got a phone. We can, you know, we talk, I talk to my, I'm texting my friends all the time. I'm always on. Yeah, but it's person to person, human to human. And, but with that comes the fact that there, I find the uh, Gen Z uh, individuals to be very authentic and they expect transparency. So like I go back to my history in the business world. Um, I hired young people and I expected them to do certain things a certain way when I wanted it done, et cetera. Those days are long gone. You have to communicate both from the adult professional standpoint, as well as the intermingling of the generation and how they talk to each other. So uh, I'm excited, I, I'm fortunate. I spend time with a couple hundred of them each yeah. semester and they're brilliant, smart, hold, keep, hold your feet to the fire. Yeah. And I think sometimes in our corporate structure, 
some of our senior people don't want to have their feet held to the fire and there's nothing worse than a new hire coming in and telling you how to redo the company and i go to that they're not everybody thinks that way but it's learning how to communicate how to serve information that the person may not want to hear yeah. etc so that would be my big thing is smart smart generation and the world is in their hands oh, in oh, all of yeah. our hands through oh, the yeah. internet right so discovery journey communications all those important things and there's just so many topics to pack into this discussion that I thought I'd try something different with you all. Um, I'm going to do something called our lightning round because there's so many differing opinions and perspectives and we're here not to judge, but purely to kind of share all these different perspectives. And I would love for you all in the audience as we go through this lightning round of all these different topics around workplace culture, share your perspective and your opinion in the comments and let's discuss. So I'm going to toss out a few different topics and would love to just kind of get your snappy perspectives around each of them. Uh, I'll start with you, Lewis. This kind of balance between choosing work-life balance or this hustle-grind culture that we have nowadays. Your thoughts? I think this is where, especially looking at this new generation, there is a large gap between the different folks. You have some that are you know, still living with their parents up until, you know, in the mid thirties, they're going back, it's the boomerang. And I know that's outside the Gen Z, but it's blending over. And then you have the other ones that are like, I want to be CEO by the time I'm 25. And there's that balance between where they're at. You look at um, when people are having kids, when they're getting married, you, you know, I read a study that's saying most, I think the, there's more people having kids in their thirties than there is in their twenties now. So you're pushing them over there. So I think it's a lot of the individuals, you can't stereotype as much because you have some people that are very, very driven and they, they want to be there. And you have others that, you know, their parents still pay their bills. They're, you know, they're on the parents' yeah, insurance and all that. And it's a, it's a whole range. And so when you're talking to them, it's hard to figure out which one are you talking to and what are your ambitions? And, and with this hybrid environment where you have some people that are 100% remote, sometimes it's easier to slide under the radar. You're not seen, people aren't seeing you. So how do you have that? And I think it goes back to a lot of Chuck's points on communication. If you are there, how do you make an impact? How do you tell people what you're doing? How do you have those conversations with executive and senior leaders? So it's very interesting on how all of this is playing out with the new generation. And Kira, what do you and your friends, this kind of, what are you choosing or what do people lean towards? Like, like Lewis said, um, it depends. Um, to me, it depends on the day. It may depend on the year. Um, it may depend on the objective. So to have an overall balance, I'd say work-life balance. Um, hustle culture is great. Um, and with sometimes I feel as though it may be necessary with inflation and with the current economy that we're in. Like you said, there's a lot of you know students still living with their parents and navigating the world of finances and working. Yeah. And so um, there will be a time and space where hustle culture you know, is necessary and there will be, will be a time where like, I need that work-life balance. Mm -hmm. And then Chuck, what are your students saying? What are they preferring these days? Um, there's definitely a focus on the, uh, the life and work and where the two fit together. I think one of the interesting things is this particular generation uh, had the, priv I go again, the privilege of COVID to where they have been in an environment where they didn't have to work yeah. or they were in an environment that their needs were being fulfilled right. without holding a job. 
And so we're not looking at the young person coming out of college ready to take on that job and scared to death that they don't get a job, they won't be able to pay their rent, they won't be able to eat. They've experienced an opportunity where they don't have to necessarily worry about that. And they're able to really look at their life and the balance we keep talking about in regards to what they want to do going forward or not and have a little bit of a runway to work with. Now I go back to the comment that was mentioned a moment ago. We do have an economy that's breathing down our necks and these young people want to get started. They want to be in the workplace. They want to start doing things. So it's really a, a paradox between the two of having been able to experience that and then also their freedom and then falling into a work world that's going to take care of their needs. So I think you also you're seeing a lot of, you know, with college prices going up and inflation going up, home prices are up, you know, the students graduating, they might have 20, 40, six figures of debt then they're trying to get a house. And, you know, we're in Dallas, I would assume what's the median house, probably around 350, 400. And, and even that's depending on the neighborhood, that's not even getting you looked at. So you have these bills on top of that. So sometimes people are needing that longer runway to be able to be financially independent. That's something you somewhat have to consider when you're, you're looking at them. Yeah, okay, they live with their parents, but you know what? They're saving everything. They're about to go pay cash for this car, for this house. So it's very interesting. Options have definitely opened up. Yes, yeah. Um, I want to toss out this topic also and get your quick perspective. The, the choice between pursuing Fortune 500 companies and brands and aiming for those kind of corporate jobs or going for maybe small, medium-sized boutique firm and what are some of the preferences? Kira, I'd love to hear your perspective. Ah, as somebody who has gotten wrapped into the social media hype of the big companies, obviously uh -huh. the Fortune 500, it's very attractive to say the Fortune 500 with the benefits that they, they give you in um, navigating that world. Um, however, I, I'd like to say that I'm not reserved to the smaller boutiques. So it depends. In, in this economy right now, it's like, do you really have a choice in terms of being picky? What do you think, Chuck? Well, I have a lot of the students who get jobs mm -hmm. and they immediately call back and you get one of two things. You either get a student who's having their first time in the business world and they expect certain things. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I've had more conversation about, Professor, should I just quit? I really, I can't stand the I, baba. And actually those first jobs are where you learn how to communicate right. in the real world. And uh, so it's a, it's a uh, eye opening for a lot of these young people. Um, but also I think the, the people that are hiring, the large corporations, the mm -hmm. boutiques, the startups, whatever you want, the people that are in charge and making the day-to-day -day decisions have to realize what's going on with that potential employee too that they're coming in with. Probably more knowledge of the world than some of their bosses have. And how do you bring those two together? And then we, I go all across the board. There's yeah. kids that I've got, uh, young people. My wife says, don't call them kids. <laughs> I'm old, I can call them kids. Um, but uh, the young people get these uh, jobs and they're in big corporations. Uh, there's uh, small boutiques and then a lot of startups, a lot right. of startups. I, again, COVID provided the opportunity for them to be stopped, to be able to look at what could I build and bring to the table as opposed to having to go to a company. Lewis, what are your thoughts? I think I mean, a lot of it, yeah, it goes into, you know, the big companies. Some of them have great training programs. So as somebody hiring, I love poaching from them. Hey, you spent two years at this one. Yeah. Awesome. Come on board. But then I think from 
how do you want to build your brand? How do you want to put your footprint in there? If I go to a company that has 50,000 employees, does more than 10 people know me? Where if I go to a boutique firm that has 1,000 or 500, you probably know a lot of people. You probably get to interact with the CEO. You know, I, I, I go work at, at Microsoft, CEO probably doesn't want to listen to me. I go work at a boutique firm, CEO wants to take me to lunch or, or to dinner. And I think there's some of that because, you know, there's a lot of, and to Chuck's point, there's a lot of, these students are having great ideas. They have a lot of ideas they want to share. At big corporations, you're not going to be able to share that with anybody. You're just going to, you might be able to tell your manager or maybe your product team, but can you, how much change are you able to influence? And, and sometimes that, that does happen at big companies. I don't want it to seem like it doesn't, but you have a much bigger stage, I think, sometimes in the boutique firms because you know all the employees. You can feel what that culture is. You know, Microsoft, Amazon, and, and even Twitter, they, they have reputations. You see people post on, on social media, hey, look at this, the life. I come in at three o'clock, I go to yoga, I go to there, and then I leave it at three o'clock, or, you know, at five o'clock, and then I get laid off, um, <laughs> unfortunately. But it's, it, it's made it look like it's so, you know, great. In reality, no, there's a lot of hard work that you have to get into there, and people will notice that. So how much of a change do you want to be able to influence? So I think going to those boutiques and those smaller companies, you have a voice. The executive leadership, the senior leadership knows your name and you can actually really take those ideas, push them out and go for it. Mm -hmm. And I wanna give a quick shout out to Nathan Gastineau. Um, his comment in there around the hustle culture is more a symptom of the shortfalls of our economy and the lack of wealth distribution than something that Gen Z is excited about doing. It's an unfortunate necessity for some folks early in their careers and competing to own property and pay bills these days. Very much tied to what you were saying, Lewis. So real quick as well, these days we're pushing for more sustainability, social causes and the importance of that. And what do you see a corporate role in social causes and responsibility as? Mm. In today's time, I feel as though it's necessary. Um, with social media and how fast news transfers, you want to see that companies have your back at, you know, um, supporting you where you come from, um, your initiatives and things of that nature. So I think companies are starting to um, see that this is not no longer an option. Um, when people choose where they want to work, they look at that. So I think that's a big necessary step for companies to, yeah. to implement. That culture, again, mm -hmm. workplace culture. Chuck, what are your perspectives around corporate responsibility and causes? I'm going to throw out my word, <laughs> communication. <laughs> um, I, there's a lot of opportunities out there. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, unfortunately, I think there's uh, some miscommunication between leadership and uh, the new employees. Mm -hmm. uh, what's, you know, uh, an employee comes on board and they see a lot of opportunities for the company to do, they may not know all the elements behind that yeah. discussion point. Mm -hmm. But in the same vein, the senior leadership who's been at it a long time has to realize that they've got to trust a talent that they're working with that can do a lot of things, but you've got to communicate with them why you do it. You know, who, what, why, where, when, and how. Why does the company do it that way? Uh, as opposed to just saying, I want you to go do this, or I want you to go do that. Um, communication. And I think that's healthy for all people when, when you've got more communication going on. 100%. And Lewis, I know CG's involved with a lot of social causes, like um, 
with Tarrant County Food Bank, feeding right. and volunteering. And how do you think that kind of contributes to the culture that's put out there and, and whether someone joins you guys or not in terms of your involvement with community? I, I think service and community is a big part. You know, if we're back there and we're not helping out the community or going back, you know, regardless of the corporation, I mean, I think that's part of our rights. Let's go help out. Let's build this community. We're going to live there. It's, we're building the culture. We're doing it. I think sometimes from depending on the company's views of what the social issues are, I've seen where some companies have actually undermined their, their purpose. You know, the, the leadership comes out with a, we're going to stand for this cause. And then they look at their, their population and maybe 50% is for it and the other 50 is behind it. So their whole idea of, you know, wanting to go for maybe a more inclusive um, stand, they've just excluded half of their population. And, it, and it's something I think you have to put a lot of thought in and uh, a time of what areas do we want to focus on? Some of them are very easy. You know, let's go help. Let's go to the, the food banks. Those are great. More of the ones, go turn on the news. I bet there's 10 topics on there. You make it, look at our, our last election, you know, 50% voted for one guy, 50% voted for the other guy, and or close enough. And you have a very split personality. I think now with all virtual, you have people that live on this coast or this coast and this one. So you're blending instead of your, your kind of local tribe, you now have this larger area. So as a company, how do you represent your audience? How do you find areas that we can all get behind so you're not accidentally you know, excluding more of your population? So it's a fine line, but I do think you, you have to help out with the community you're doing. So is it, we're gonna break our offices doing here. We have a, a delivery center overseas and we actually coordinated one of them where our Arkansas office and our, our India office were doing some, you know, 24 hours of giving. And so they pick it up and pass the baton so you can incorporate those different areas both making different impacts. So a lot of different creative ways that yeah. technology gives us, but a lot of ways that the platform, you know, you can go look at the news. Hey, this company made this statement and their stock is dropping here or they're going up. So it's a can be a double-edged sword, I think, yes. sometimes. Yes. Or finding those common causes, like Definitely. you said. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. So I, since this show is all <laughs> about Generation Z, we wanted to kind of bring to you a quick video around the interns that CG Infinity has kind of brought together over the last few months and have them share their perspectives and insights with you. So let's play that video right now. If a job is the right fit for you and you're happy doing it, it wouldn't feel like a job. It's very important to choose the right kind of job irrespective of the size of the business. You know, I've come to realize that they didn't hire me as a developer strictly. You know, I, I have a whole life experience outside of this job to draw from. Do not get tired of applying to jobs. I think that's one big thing where we stop usually. Uh, make sure you keep applying, uh, go for it. The rejection is part of the process and it's going to come no matter what. Connection, connection, connection. Leverage every connection there is. Talk to your friends, make a LinkedIn profile, go to LinkedIn, get connections. It's also about networking and uh, making uh, memories, making, uh, meeting new people. If you keep applying, if you keep making uh, connections over time, you will find uh, the perfect role that we are looking for. I definitely go for flexibility. So can I stay a few days at home? Can I work at the office for the other two days? Is I think pretty important given how the circumstances are. And I think it also gives you a good work-life balance. Flexibility is number one and 
any company that's flexible in one major area, say scheduling, they're going to be flexible in other areas as well. Internships are like that stepping stone wherein you uh, get to see what the company does or what the entire field is all about. If you are doing an internship, it gives you a 360 degree experience where you can work on multiple projects, where you can collaborate with multiple teams. It gives you industry experience, which is much required. It, it gives you the uh, readiness for you to enter the corporate world. So I think internships are really important and should be targeted by each and every student. Be persistent in what you're doing and not a lot of courses might make sense to you but at the end of the day when you start a job when you start applying all those things it does make a difference don't lose hope because you got this great to hear from their perspectives i want to give a quick shout out i see somebody lee cupido from South Africa tuning into our live, so that's so cool. Thank you for joining us. Our next section here is all around career development and um, kind of how do we mentor, how do we intern, how do we develop the next generation? And I want to start off with you, Lewis. Um, as you go through your interviews with folks, what are the typical questions that you're asking the fresh grads and, and junior consultants? Oh, great question. I think a lot of it, you know, our questions were looking around attitude and aptitude. What is your attitude of how you're going into this? And what is your aptitude? And some of that's, it's, it's hard to guess because, you know, think of college, you've learned all of these different things. Sometimes it's more theoretical, less hands-on, but when you start talking to them, it's, you know, what happens when you're going to be pushed outside your boundaries? Or what happens when you hit a wall? Are you going to climb over it? Are you going to break it down? Are you going to say, I tried? And a lot of the questions that we're going after, it's really kind of geared more towards, you know, can you wear multiple hats? Are you going to be happy with that? Do you like getting to go in different areas? Um, what are your career aspirations? How are you going to go down there? How have you got to some of those? So I think just to sum it up really around attitude and aptitude, those are the two most important things I can ever talk to a candidate. Absolutely, because the data is available now right. in the world, exactly. right? Exactly, <laughs> that's very true. Uh, so Chuck, from your perspective, like you're preparing students for the working world and you talk obviously about the importance of communication. What are some of the other soft skills that you think students need to be developing? Well, I'll jump quickly on the statement we just made a moment ago as to attitude. Yeah. Attitude. Attitude. Yeah. Um, no, I think attitude is very important. I make the comment that I can teach skills. Right. The aptitude, you know, you're going to learn that wherever you go to work. You need to come in being able to write a complete sentence and be able to do all those things. But when, once you're in a job situation, uh, I see the attitude as being there. The, the leadership, uh, uh, being on time. Uh, there was an uh, admiral that spoke at A&M a couple years ago, and he was his whole speech in the graduation was about making your bed. Yeah. And of course, this young generation was very, very smart, got all these computers, all this equipment, they understand technology inside and out, and there's some real basic elements of, a, of the, I don't call them soft skills anymore, I call them fundamentals. Right. Because they're very well, very smart individual. If you tell them they got soft skills, they look at you like, I'm here at college. I'm make, I've got good grades. Why would you say I have soft skills? But that, I, it's the attitude that I right. think is the most yeah. important. Yeah, it's 
especially in this age of AI, just being on time to work yeah. is yeah. the core important skill. Uh, Kira, you've had some amazing internships, so I'm sure some of the folks in the audience are very curious, how do you get these kind of internships at these big brand tech companies? So from my understanding um, and my experience, when I first got in college, I was kind of oblivious of how that process went. And so my first year, I didn't get an internship. Um, and so I had to chalk that up. I had to do research. And I found out that, hey, you have to be an early bird, an early riser. Um, companies are not looking for interns in spring. They've already hired them. And I learned that. I got on the ball, um, having a good resume. Um, luckily, I had a good mother who was able to invest in me in that. I had a good network, um, a lot of friends. You know Ari, she's a very influential person in there, and they helped build that skill. How do I actually translate the skills I've done onto a professional paper that you know is supposed to make me marketable? Um, so having that, like you said, um, Chuck, those fundamentals right there, having that soft skill, and then being strategic in networking. Your network is your net worth, and I heard that a lot in a lot of the camps and seminars that I went to from a lot of the people. So I, I kept that with me. Um, and that's where a lot of my internships came from. Networking, I applied to many and got rejected by many, but having those people in my corner um, and them believing in me and then um, just going after it and not taking no for an answer. Absolutely, absolutely. Lewis, I have a question here in the audience from Leah. Um, as an employer, when you see Gen Z kind of hopping around, still trying to figure out what they like and don't like, and maybe they're trying and they, their resume is kind of job hopping. Um, when you see that, what are you thinking as an employer? I do get a little bit of red flags. I think mm -hmm. the, you know, definitely the average tenure is you don't have lifers anymore. I mean, that was a, um, you used to see that now about two years is, is what I expect to be out there. When I see three months, six months, nine months, that makes me a little bit nervous. And, and I think some of it could be on how, you know, going back to communication, how are you interviewing? Interviewing should always be a two-way street. Mm -hmm. You want to know me, but I need to know about you as a company and is, am I gonna be a good fit? Um, but I think there is a much more, a much higher tolerance to seeing people at different fields and doing that. And, and now with the ability to work remote, hey, there's this, you know, Silicon Valley job. I want to go take it. And you can do a lot of that. So some of it, but at the end of it, just have a conversation with them. Hey, what, what's going on? Why were you there for three months, nine months? Oh, well, my family member got sick. Okay, makes sense. Great. Let's chat. Right. Or put that in a cover letter. So it exactly. explains the gaps. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Awesome. So for this lightning round around career development, I want to go around and ask you all, different topics around Gen Z. So real quick, Yara, I'm gonna kind of pick on you first. Um, your kind of response to, are Gen Z looking for compensation or good workplace culture? Ooh, the best of both worlds, the best of both <laughs> worlds. The compensation has to be there in today's time. That, that drives us um, considering our current economy. However, that does not mean that we don't look at that company culture because, you know, like you said, you wake up in the morning, you see on Twitter, oh, this company said this statement and boom, it's like, mm, they may be a little sketchy to work for if this statement got out like that, like what is really under the surface. So mm. compensation overall, mm. but company culture is, is also a runner up. Close second. Mm -hmm. 
Chuck, what are your students looking for? Compensation versus culture? Um, I think uh, the at our university, the compensation is obviously uh, a point of uh, observation, mm. but uh, they're also looking for the capability of, of starting that life they want to start and being able to uh, start to set. And one of the f things I want to push back to them a little bit is your first, uh, your first job's not where you're going to die. <laughs> Uh, yes, and there's a quote may, right there. <laughs> you may need to change jobs and uh, find those right things. But it, like was said, it's got to be a balance of the two. And I even think the other generations look yeah. to that as well. Yeah. yeah, let us know in the comments your thoughts around kind of this debate between compensation versus culture. Louis, from your perspective? You know, I think that, you know, obviously both. And I think as a, you know, as an employer, as a leader, you want to invest in your high performers. Um, might sound rough, but if you have a low performer, you can spend 80% of your time and you're not gonna get anything out of them. But those top performers, I wanna make an environment where they don't wanna leave. Let's go figure out what the, what the market's doing and help them drive your culture. You know, the culture at some companies is made up by you know, a group of folks behind closed doors and they say, this is our culture. But no, your culture is, is everybody in there that's, that's going and driving. So let's make sure we're rewarding and, and, and finding unique ways to go after it. Because I think, you know, with, with, with remote, it's made it where it typically, you know, you do a market analysis of pricing and you're looking at the DFW market. But now that you can hire across the nation, you need to not only be competitive in your region, but what other people are trying to poach them. And I think it's a, a very, it's changed a way and it's also changed some people's perspectives. Maybe they got this quick job at a startup. They had made great money, startup went under, wasn't ran right. Now they're like, oh, I'd like to keep that salary. And it's like, well, the market's changed a little bit. And how do you find that happy balance between mm -hmm. those? Yeah. So outside of compensation, what do you think is one key benefit that um, students are also looking for? wellness and flexibility obviously hybrid and working from home is very very big like i like to travel so i can still get my work done and if you trust me enough to be remote at my home please trust me if i'm traveling i say i'm going to do what i'm going to say um so that balance right there that flexibility and wellness wellness is super huge um, when i was at salesforce they had something called wellness fridays where there was one friday out of the month where we were able to be off that whole friday and whatever wellness looked like for you that's what you did and um, they honored that and that was that changed the game for me as well as them investing in your wellness here's a stipend every month that goes to something that is for your well-being whether that's a, a healthy cooking class that's a gym membership so that element as well. And then from what are you hearing the buzz from your students is one key benefit that they're looking for? I think it would be the, the flexibility of the uh, um, working in an office or working from home, etc. And there's so many elements that make up that, that situation. Again, we're coming out, we're out of it now, but the, we still got this COVID hanging yes. over us and how that affected different jobs. There's certain jobs that if your job is to turn on the light, you've got to be in the building. Yeah. Right. Um, if your job's just talking on the phone, phones are, you know, it, it's, uh, I'm going to say it again, communication yeah. that you have to <laughs> exactly. understand. When you go into a job, if I go into a job and my job is to simplify, turn on and off the lights, and I show up on work and, they, and I say, I want to work from home. 
we weren't communicating, we weren't talking. And I think most companies are willing to figure out the best way for a good attitude to be applied to that company. Yeah. And to your point earlier, communication plus the transparency. Yeah, too. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lewis, one key yeah. benefit? I think the key benefit is the people. I think getting in there and going to go work with, with smart folks that know that they're putting in just as much of the hard effort that you are. And if you need to go take a vacation, you want to go do that, I don't want people calling me on my vacation. I want to be able to go in there and know that, that my, my coworkers, my teammates, they have my back in there. And I think there's something where you, you get together some fun, smart people. And I mean, yeah, we're, we're, it's still going to be hard work, but you get to have fun. You get to build those connections, the relationships with that. If you're going in, checking in, you know, clocking in, clocking out every day, and you're not talking to anybody, you know, it, it, you're going to get bored. You're going to get burnt out. You're not going to build that community inside there. So I think the people that you get to talk to, you get to interview, get to shape of what what does that company look like? What do they stand for? And uh, a student perspective from our comments, Preston Gray at Dallas College. Touching on what Lewis said, there is a desire to find a company with a culture that you belong within, and that can be the reason for short-term stints in the resume. In a way, you only know what you like or don't like when you get to experience it and your perspective within that. So true. And so now I want to play for you part two of our video series, interviewing UTD interns and students and getting their additional perspectives. Kudos to our human race that we are making AI this smart, but again, uh, it's going to come, come back and bite us. It's not the AI who's going to replace the humans, but it's going to be the person who's very good at AI. Data is the backbone of everything. It's just another tool for us to use. Um, there's people out there that have kind of gone into panic mode over it in our industry, particularly with chat GPT. And, you know, I said, oh, you know, programmers aren't going to be a thing anymore. And that's, that's a load of hogwash. It's going to replace a lot of jobs in, every, in a lot of sectors and domains. So prepare yourself, prepare everyone. I think everyone should prepare. I do agree that it will replace some parts of it, like generating reports or um, dashboards. Where do you see yourself in five years? I'll still be working at CG Infinity. I'm not going anywhere. Five years down the lane, I want to see myself leading a large team of uh, data enthusiasts. But I think in five years, I look to be a product leader. I want to be working on a product or a software product where I'm handling the decisions. I want to be a principal data scientist. I see myself uh, working uh, as a corporate slave, as a business analyst, hopefully a data scientist. You're not just hired for whatever position they hire you for. You're not just hired for your certificate. You're not just hired for your diploma. You're hired because you bring unique perspective, unique life experience, unique mindsets. Um, all these things tie into what makes you you and what makes you a marketable employee. So our next segment is all around the future of work. And we can't talk about the future without the hot topic of the day, artificial intelligence and AI. Uh, Chuck, from your perspective, you're in the retail technology space and you're grooming your students and teaching them in that space. Some of those things are moving from brick and mortar to online. 
what are some of the changes to, to the future of work that you see for your students in that industry? Well, I, I think the biggest change is that little side story. Um, I was around back when the PC first showed up on the, you know, and the mainframe people were sure that the world was going to go, it was, it was over with, we might as well not do anything else, because how can we let information leave the building? How, you know, you can't, these guys, you know, they haven't been trained, blah, 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 blah. Um, AI is a little more sophisticated than that, but there's a, I think the positive is going to outweigh the negative. Um, and yes, at UTD, we're fortunate that we have a very strong uh, uh, computer focus uh, in AI, we have some very, we just had a, a, a hack, AI hackathon on AI, and we had retail, they were writing uh, a code for retailers, et cetera. So uh, our students are very much more knowledgeable than I am in some of these new technologies. Um, but it's, I think it's gonna be great. I think it's gonna be great. And uh, yeah, the retailers are right now, retailers tend to usually be a little bit behind the cutting edge because they want to, before they bring it to their customers, they want to make sure it makes sense. And a lot of retailers, uh, I've been in a conference this week that was nothing but AI. How's AI going to apply to what we're doing? And uh, So we're all learning. We're all learning. And uh, Now, Lewis, looking after data and analytics and the cloud, it's yeah. a lot of technology. So how is the future of work going to look like working with AI? Yeah, I think there's, you know, two different ways I typically look, you know, internal, how our customer, how our internal employees and external, how our customers internally, you know, we can go in, I can give you a block of code. You can put it into something like chat GPT and say, tell me what this does. I don't understand. I'm a brand new developer. And it goes, oh, look at it. It's actually calling. It's going to update, you know, the time cards on here and it explains all that out. If you change this or you can go say, you know what, I need to go write a program that will build a simple website go back to some of these tools and it might not be perfect it might get you 70% of the way there but from an accelerator um, process it's much easier to look at the code and say oh these three things are wrong than to try to figure out okay how do I build all of it where do I start it's kind of like you know that when you're typing the essay you know it's sitting there you'll sit around waiting to type the yes. essay and then you finally do it so I think internally as a learning element and accelerator our customers they're they're asking the same thing they're like how do I do this securely how can I you know, we're, we just wrapped up a project where we were leveraging um, some of the chat GPT feature to look at their data. So let, what if we connected all of your systems, we did it in a secured way, but I can now type in there instead of saying, you know, what loans do we think are going to default or who are my best customer segmentations? Before you would, you know, put in a request to IT, they'd hand you stuff, you'd go back, you analyze it in Excel. Now we're able to just do that natural language on there. And I think this is where you're seeing a lot of companies adopt it. Mm -hmm. Now, Kira, you're in the era of ChatGPT, right? Oh, yeah. Right into the introduction of work there. What are you kind of seeing and how do you see you and your friends leveraging it for work as well as life? Gosh, it's funny because I feel as though it was a little too late. I've graduated already. Um, not to say, as, you, as a professor, I wouldn't have cheated, but you know, I would have leveraged my resources, what I like to say. Um, however, I would say I'm an early adopter. Um, I just read an article um, this week that said, even though there is a lot of talk around ChatGPT and AI, mm -hmm. only 14% of 
people are actually using it. Um, my mother and I have constant conversations with people like about AI and things of that nature. And they, oh, I've heard of ChatGPT, but they haven't used it. Me, on the other hand, I've used it. I've used it to pass certifications in, in the sense of explain this question. Can you break down this process? Mm. Um, and then in terms of just life, I've seen ChatGPT build out workout plans and meal plans and travel plans instead of the traditional route of like, let me hire um, someone who can do my travel itinerary. You can type into ChatGPT specifically where you're going, the duration of your stay, your interest, and it will build you out an itinerary of food places and entertainment and things of that nature. So I've been adopting it and an avid user. I probably, I have it saved on my um, <sighs> web browser. It's almost like if you don't uh, leverage it, we're going to be left behind for yeah. sure. Yes. And now for the future of work, we're seeing more and more of this kind of different pathways. It used to be, let's get that corporate job, let's climb the corporate ladder, and then that's it. But now we have things like entrepreneurship, the creator economy, uh, intrapreneurship, which is the entrepreneur that's within a corporate environment. Um, Lewis, what are your thoughts between these kind of like three paths that people can take? Corporate, intrapreneurship, entrepreneurship, what oh, do you yeah. think? The, the entrepreneur and the entrepreneur, I love the idea, I love the passion. If you have somebody straight out of school ready to take on the world and you go kind of put them in, you know, behind a desk sitting there for 40 hours a week, hey, I don't care about your creativity, no. What if you can empower them to, you know, help give them a little direction, maybe give them a little budget around there, Go build it out. We're going to back you. You know, there's still, at the end of the day, at company, we still need to make money. But can we funnel some of this? And let's go try out these ideas and, and learn how to fail on some of them, too. I mean, you know, failure, that's a great learning tool. So go in, have that mindset, that drive to go in and that passion. Now, let's go support it. Let's go mentor these people. Let's go train them up and do it. And I think that's one of the biggest things is if companies are not... Um, empowering their people or, or trying to get them excited about that, you're missing out so much and they're gonna go to some other startup, bring their idea, and go make a lot of money and you're gonna be sitting in the rearview mirror right. saying, why did I not empower Oops. that person? <laughs> yeah. Chuck, do you see any of your students taking the entrepreneurial path? Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> yes, we have a lot of startup programs, entrepreneurial programs going on. Um, these young adults come up with some phenomenal ideas. Yeah. Um, and then we're able, we're fortunate, especially in this market, the Dallas Fort Worth area, we have a lot of companies that are very strong mentors uh, to help them go through this and, and get involved with new ideas, et cetera. And I think one of the comments that was made about failure, failure is so important. Um, being able to learn from mistakes, et cetera. And, and I'll be honest, the majority of the startups of young adults don't always succeed. Right. Uh, the percentages are such that it's usually in the 40s is about where you're really traditionally going to really take off. But those people at the in the 40s who are now taken off, I can guarantee they had failures previously because you've got to have a failure to be able to learn from this, etc. But I think in the collegiate world, all the universities here in North Texas have entrepreneur programs and mentoring going on, etc. for that. So many more choices these yes. days, yes. for sure. And uh, Kira, from your perspective, are any of your friends going down the entrepreneurial path versus the corporate path? Mm -hmm. Well, right now, I'd say no. There is um, 
No, but there, that passion is and that drive is still there. There is a plan for it to go there. Mm -hmm. I like to say like I had an entrepreneurial spirit. Um, in high school, I did work at a daycare. I worked at my um, local ISD soccer school care program and I was so good. The kids loved me, the parents loved me. I was able to be a nanny and have my own business. People yeah. would ask me, hey, do you, do you do this like outside of work? And I'm like, you know, absolutely. And then I did it so well that I was able to make more um, doing less of so kind of like my own way of scaling it um, mm. and step out instead of going through the school. So I have that spirit in me. However, right now I still am eager to learn and gain that knowledge and skill set. And also I'm still on the fence of being okay with failing to that extent. <laughs> like I, I remember I had a college yeah. camp and a professor, he told us, he was like, you know, failing is not bad. It's one of the greatest gifts that you can receive just fail fast and then pick That's back right. up. So I'm still, you know, at that point where I'm like, okay, if I step out on that, I have to be comfortable and prepared to fail and be ready to fail fast and get back up. Okay, one word lightning round to wrap things up. Okay. Okay. One word, this can be hard. Louis, yeah. <laughs> yeah. for you specifically, water cooler conversations and osmosis versus formal sit-down mentorship? Water coolers all the way. Mm, got it, okay. Chuck, for your perspective, um, academic learning versus internship hands-on experience? <laughs> That's tough. <laughs> um, I think of the, the, the hands-on experience, and, and then let me, sub kind of underneath uh, in academia there can be those hands-on learning experiences yeah. depending on the professor and the way they teach and what the subject is so i think the experience and the hand-on is probably the most important awesome. kiara formal training or youtube university <laughs> in terms of career youtube i mean formal training youtube university supplemental got it okay so there you have it, folks. There's tons of topics that we can easily dive into further around Generation Z and the future of work. We want to hear your perspective around some of those topics that we talked to today. We're going to go through all the comments. And if we missed any of your questions, we'll definitely follow up with that. But in the meantime, we want to give a shout out to our friends at the Alliance of Technology and Women, ATW. They have an event coming up. And you'll see that Humans and Machines, that is tomorrow at UTD uh, at 6 p.m. So be sure to join us for that as well. We'll definitely be attending that. And uh, for those of you out there, be sure to join us in two months on Wednesday, August 16th, as we talk all around the energy industry and the state of that and the hot topics around the energy industry. So save that date, Wednesday, August 16th at noon. And as I wrap up the show, I wanna give a shout out to our sponsors, CG Infinity. For them, their amazing tagline, people first, driven to transform. Thank you everyone, thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time.